Hi, I'm Tim Tuffo. This is an Orange and Blue Thing podcast. Good evening and welcome. Thanks for joining us. Episode 7 of an Orange and Blue Thing. I'm Brian Ernie. He's Darren Meenan. Thanks for tuning in tonight. If you're watching on Facebook Live, do us a favor, hit that share link on the right-hand side of your post. Put us in your friends' timelines. Help us spread the word about the show. If you've downloaded on iTunes, SoundCloud, thank you. Do us a favor, rate, subscribe, help us climb those charts. It is February 9th. It, we are under a foot of snow, <laughs> and yesterday it was 65 degrees. What What is going yeah, on? Yeah, dude, at work, I was in a t-shirt yesterday. Windows open on the way home driving. And shout out to my mom. I think she's watching tonight. Happy birthday, mom. Her birthday was yesterday, so thanks for tuning in tonight. I think it's her first time watching the show. But, nice. Um, yeah, dude, 65 yesterday, a foot of snow today. Uh, the world is crumbling in front of our eyes. Yeah, the planet's probably <laughs> fine. It's probably fine. Anyway, we are only three days away from pitchers and catchers' first official workout. And what we do know is that Jerry Blevins will be one of those guys reporting at camp. Signs that one-year, $6 million deal with an option for year two. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, we heard it a few days ago, but I think once it becomes like Twitter official, then yeah. it's a real thing. So yeah, they said like Facebook he, official with yeah, the yeah. So Jerry posted today, and uh, I guess he's um, excited to be back. We're excited to have him. I think it was definitely a necessity getting him out there back in the pen, and um, I'm just excited. Yeah, me too, man. It's it's just so great. I you know a lot of people I know were saying, "Hey, they're bringing back the same guys." That's okay. They were good last year, so yeah, yeah. I'm fine with them bringing back. Homer the same and Carton guys. were trashing. Well, Carton was trashing yesterday. Uh, you know, there's no one new on the team, but there is plenty of guys coming back that weren't playing last yeah. year. You know, yeah. hopefully. You know, we're getting Harvey and, and Wheeler and all these guys should be healthy. So I liked our team last year. So yeah. if we're just bringing back the same squad, I mean, I have no problem with that. Exactly. Absolutely. So uh, we have a lot to get to. Obviously, Kevin Burkhart joins us tonight. We're very, very excited. Uh, buddy of ours, formerly of SMY, now with Fox Sports. He'll be joining us via phone. And well, yeah, he's in California living the life, so not dealing with the snow like we are. So we got a lot a lot to get to. We're going to do our usual stuff. Um, but before we do that, a quick shout-out to Adam Rubin. Um, we were just talking about Adam on the show last week. Uh, came out this week, obviously, that he's out of the biz. biz he's gotten into he is retiring. I think he did 15 years on the beat, which is a really years. long time. Yeah. And um, I think that his tweets that he's quitting – He's quitting journalism yes. and going into the PR world. So I don't really know. I guess we're going to hear more on that as, as it comes. But I think he he was back re- re- pretty quickly back on the Mets the tweet, you know, Mets tweeting. Right after, like, two days after he said he's retired, he's already tweeting. He's like, all right, I'm back. That was that was pretty quick. But, um, yeah, Ruben was, was really great at his job, and I'm excited to see what he does next and whoever takes his spot. He's got – they have big shoes to fill over at ESPN. So. They, they really do. You know, Adam's the kind of guy he uh, – he, he'll drive to Binghamton on an off day just, right, to, right. just to see the guys and give you that full 360-degree perspective of players so that when he writes about them, it comes from a very informed place. Uh, it's 
it's rare that you find uh, a journalist, especially in today's day and age where journalism is kind of under siege in general, um, that will do that and put in the extra time. And uh, I think it's a loss for the Mets beat, obviously. But good luck to him. I hope he succeeds. He's joining my world, the PR world. So welcome, Adam. And uh, if you need any point, no, you don't need <laughs> But good luck to you and uh, in all your future endeavors. All right, let's get to our normal stuff. We got a lot to get to before we get to KB. So the post of the week is, is coming from Brian this week. We both have them, but he's going first. Yeah, and, and what I love about this, this is from our buddy DJ Short, uh, Mets blog alum, now of NBC Sports. Uh, DJ gives us the Picota uh, projections here for the Mets. If you don't know, Picota is the baseball prospectus uh, projection system that they use. It's... Pretty accurate. Uh, I take this stuff with a grain of salt. But obviously. Yeah. And listen, if projections were always right, there'd be no reason to play the season. But it did have the Mets at 90 wins last year. They came in at 87. So, you know, it's right there. They obviously whiffed on the 2014 and 15 Royals. That's always the big, you know, thing right there. But let's take this at face value. Dakota projects the Mets for 87 wins, puts them ahead of the Nationals, at 85, and then they just changed it. You see that? Yeah, it's like two minutes later. Two well, minutes yeah, that later, changed. It changed, <laughs> and now it's Mets 87, Nationals. I'm sorry, Mets 88, Nationals 87. Listen, whatever you want to say about projections, we can both agree that if this is a one-game race coming down the stretch, it's, it's going to be so awesome. much fun. Yeah, oh. it's, it's it's definitely going to be a good time. I think it's going to come down to the wire, and these are just. Guys throwing stuff at a dartboard. I mean, they obviously used use uh, some type of strategy and facts and whatever to come up with these predictions. But it's it's such a crapshoot. You never know what's going to happen. Look at the 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 cover of Sports Illustrated the past few years calling out the team of the year, and then half the time it, it falls apart. So who knows? It's it's definitely not a short thing, but. You know, if it's that close coming out to the wire, I'm excited. It's going to be awesome. Shout out to DJ, who's joining us in the uh, Dads Club soon. So, uh, best wishes oh, to you. Speaking of Dads, we need to give a shout out to, um, on the bottom of the of the screen here, if you're watching, well, on, the, on our main page, we have some tunes of me, you and I now, thanks to yes. Joe, the graphics joker. So, um, thanks, thanks, Joe. Appreciate that. Yeah. So, my post of the week came from the New York Mets. They just used some fun emojis here for the kids. A baseball says, plus the captain equals thumbs up. So, David writes down there putting his work in early, and, you know, he's known for that. So David's already down in spring training, which, you know, the guys are supposed to report by, what is it, Valentine's Day? Uh, yeah, something like they're that. They're always down there early, so you know what I mean? And, and have the captain down there watching him do his drills and just hope that he has a full season. I mean, not, what can you really ask for out of, out of David Wright? Like, how many games can you expect him to play? The past, Last year he only played 37 games. Before that he played 38. year before that year before that, he played 134. His last full season was 2012, which, yeah. was, which was a good year for him. Yeah, so a great year for him. We're just hoping that he comes back strong. And, um, dude, I'm, I'm pulling for him so hard. Like, I, I want him on this team. I want him in the clubhouse. He's such a great guy to have on the bench and just around the guys. He's yeah. such a leader. Yeah. And um, I'm just excited to see him, you know, back. You know what I mean? Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, I think it was I'm so over- depressing. It, it, cut you it was so depressing seeing him with that the scar on his neck. He could barely turn his neck. He had to sit in the bullpen to watch the end of the season because he could, couldn't be around the guys. God forbid a, a line drive comes ripping through the, through the dugout, you know. He has to be on his toes. So, like, I just felt bad for the guy, you know. And I'm just – I know the work he puts in and how much drive he has to get back out there. And I'm just hoping it all works out for him. Yeah, I think most Mets fans would feel the same way. Um, I know there's a couple of rogue ones that, for whatever reason, just can't get on the David Wright train. I, I don't know why. I, this guy is everything you want 
out of not only a franchise player, but just a guy that whose team you root for. He's face of the franchise. Face of the franchise. Stayed loyal when there was no reason to be. Uh, we talked about that 2012 season. He signed the big contract coming off of that. I think it was like a seven or eight war season, wins above replacement. So that, I mean, that's in MVP territory. Um, and, you know, and that was coming off a broken back. Um, so you gotta, you gotta just love this guy. I do. Um, and I really just hope that the Mets get him a ring before it's all said and done. That's, that's the goal, man. Definitely. Uh, so we're going to move right along to our follow of the week. We do this every week. It's just guys that we think guys or gals that we think you might want to follow for one reason or the other. So my follow of the week is Ricky bonus on Instagram. It's uh, at two, five, the numbers two, five Boneman. And I just think he's an interesting follower because he gets access to uh, a lot of stuff that the other players don't. I mean, not necessarily uh, – if you're a player, you can obviously shoot photos of whatever you want. But he's in there with the guys day in and day out, and I think he captures an aspect that you might not get from a player. Himself, he spent 10 years in the uh, in the bigs. He played for the Padres, the Reds, the Marlins, the Brewers, the Royals, the Yankees, and the and the Orioles. The bulk of his time was, were, was with the Brewers. But – um. Very respectable career, 63 wins, and uh, now he's a coach for the Mets. He moved up the charts from Binghamton to Buffalo and then the Mets from 2012 till now. So he's the bullpen uh, the bullpen coach and does a great job out there. So if you want to follow him on Instagram, again, it's 25boneman, and he posts a lot of really great stuff. So definitely give him a shout. We'll go to mine here, and it's uh... – I mean, a lot of people follow this account already. You can see on the screen if you're watching 120,000 followers. But it's at we follow Lucas Duda on Instagram. If you're for whatever reason, if you're not following this, it is amazing. Run by Curtis Granderson. Basically, Lucas is not known to be the most <laughs> outgoing guy. Let's just say, and uh, and Curtis just mercilessly uh, just gets up in, in Duda's face while he's doing. Pretty much everything. Uh, it is amazing to see the him try to catch Judah in different situations all season long. It's always a laugh. Um, so my follow of the week is at we follow Lucas Duda on Instagram. You got to check that out. Now that spring training is up and running, it's it's going to be very active again. So uh, let's see what Grandy has in store for us of uh, surprising Lucas. Yeah, it might be the last year for both of them here, so we got to enjoy them while we have. We'll them. see, but it, it's funny. The, he follows him around and tries to like you know snipe behind like a chair, or whatever, get him like singing or doing some funny stuff. But a few days ago, I guess it was due to his birthday, so Granderson actually set something up. You could probably see on the screen here if you're watching. It's just in the corner, but it was like two little uh, Lego characters and they're singing to each other for happy birthday. So. They're always doing some interesting stuff on there, and it's a really fun time. So, especially a couple of years ago during like the playoff run and all that, he was following him yeah. like on the field in his face, and and it, it's it's funny, you know. It's cool. I think, I think our our follows of the week have a similar theme this week in that it's always great to see the human element of these guys. We see them just as guys who you want to perform, and you want them to do well so your team does well. But uh, it's it's fun to see the other side of things. The guys just having a good time, you know, and 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 enjoying each other's company, um, and and that's what it's all about. So, kind of a nice little theme. We see how we do that. We tie it all in, <laughs> even though we have an audio issue or two. We tie it all in. We're trying. We're trying. This is a learning experience for us, and we were hoping to do at least five or six episodes before we had a guest, and now we have a guest, and we're having audio issues. So. Uh, what is it? Murphy's Law, right? Anything can go wrong, will go wrong, but we're trying our best here, moving right along. So we're going to get to our clip of the week. 
And our clip of the week is going to be a nice segue into our guest. So hopefully this works out. And enjoy. First of all, I just want to thank you, everybody in here, for being amazing to me for eight years and, you know, welcoming me and, and uh, treating me like one of you. And uh, the support tonight out there was unbelievable. So, uh, so thanks for coming out. I'll try to get around, say hello to everybody. Um, and uh, just as a, as a small token of my appreciation, they're passing out some tickets. All right, so we're getting Kevin on the line. We're gonna call him back. He said sixty seconds. You probably, you guys probably heard that, but uh, we're trying our best over here. We're gonna give Kevin a call in two seconds. So yeah, Kevin's our guest tonight. You probably know that if you're watching this because we promoted it pretty heavily. And, and Kevin's been a friend of both of our both of ours for a while. When the Seven Line was first getting started, there wasn't a guy that was that could have been nicer to, to the group and, and me especially. He always went out of his way for us. And um, Kevin's the man. He is. Kevin is the man. Uh, one of the one of the real good guys in the industry. Like I said earlier, um, obviously one of the real good guys um, just in general. Uh, always, uh, you know, kind of an affable guy who will sort of do anything. He'll take a picture with you. He'll chat you up. Um, so, I mean, that's just the kind of guy he is. So he needs no introduction, but we're going to give him one anyway. Uh, you can catch him during the football season as one of the play-by-play -play voices for the NFL on Fox. He is also the face of Fox's pre- and post-game MLB coverage in the regular postseason, and he contributes to Network's college basketball programming as well. He is our friend. Kevin Burkhardt. Kevin, Brian, Ernie, and Darren Meenan. What's up, man? Oh, God. We had him for a we second. Had him for a second. And this, it's going to work. I promise it's going to work. We actually called him a few minutes early, so maybe he wasn't ready for our call. I'm going to give him another shout, and then we're going to give this another shot here. What's up, fellas? You hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. I think Brian can hear you. We're having a couple audio issues. Let's just double check that. Um, the, the, the fans can hear us before we get started. Yeah, no problem. Okay, yeah, man, I we can, appreciate it. Kevin. Kevin, can you hear me? I hear you just fine, Brian. How you guys doing? We're doing well. I mean, we're having a couple audio issues here, and it's, and it's funny because we got six episodes under our belt before we tried to have a guest, and then we thought everything was working great, and then we're running into some problems, but we're live right now, so I think that the fans could hear us. Um, they're saying, yeah, boy, yeah, we're, you're good, you're good. So I guess we're good. Yeah, so I, I gave you a good intro that I don't know if people heard or not, but everybody knows you and you have to need one. So uh, so let's get down to brass tacks and, uh, and get this thing started, man. So KB, like, I'm sure everyone knows that you're a local guy in New Jersey, and um, we weren't exactly sure. It was always kind of assumed, but I'm not sure if you actually grew up a Mets fan. So just tell us about that. I mean, if you did, you don't have to lie about it. If you were a Yankee fan, that's fine. But I think it was kind of always implied that you were a Mets fan. Like, what's the story? No, it was implied because I was. I mean, I you know I would I would have said it if I wasn't. Um, but yeah, my whole family was Mets fans, so um, I, I did grow up a Mets fan. You know, that's what made the whole thing so cool. I mean, you know, going in and, get, and getting the job. You know, I knew the history of the team. You know, I mean, I growing up with it. I, 
you know, we didn't have cable growing up. So I would only get to watch a lot of the games on Sundays on Channel 9 or, um, you know, any of the special games like that. But I listened on the radio all the time. So um, that it, that's what was what made the whole thing so memorable is just because, you know, my whole family, you know, my mom and dad are just the same diehard Mets fans. And, you know, so for me to get a chance to go and, and do that, and especially working with guys who we all, you know, who we loved, uh, it just made it so neat. But I think for me, not knowing what the hell I was doing getting into television, because that was, you know, I had a little bit of TV experience before that, but mostly just here and there. So, you know, getting to, you know, kind of be in that atmosphere where at least I knew, you know, the team and the history and the fan base and all of that. Obviously, I was a local guy, so I, you know, I didn't talk radio in New York. So I, I knew what to expect in that sense going in. So that's what made it so fun, at least at the very beginning, when I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Well, that's interesting because, you know, your your pursuit of, of broadcasting is it's kind of stuff of legends, right? I mean, you were, you were doing the selling cars thing. You hung with it. Kind of a late bloomer in the industry. Um, so did you, let, let's start with, you mentioned, you know, kind of alluded to the, you know, the WFAN background. Um, how did the SNY gig come to fruition? How did that come up? Well, I was, yeah, I mean, the, you know, I appreciate it, Brian. I mean, like the selling cars thing is a great story. I mean, I, I love telling it because I wouldn't change it. Um, but, you know, I think there is, um, it, it wasn't like I had never done broadcasting until I sold cars. You know, I mean, I had done it just just at places that no one ever <laughs> heard me. That's all. So, um, you know, that was kind of a jump start to to my career. It really just kind of just kind of made me realize what I wanted, and and I knew I had to at least go out and guns a blaze and I just give it a shot um, for a few years. And if I didn't make it, you know, whatever. But um, so so that led to that, and then yeah, I guess I finally got some breaks. I was at WFAN. Um, Kind of full time, I guess. I was doing everything there. I was covering the Jets. I covered, you know, Rangers and Knicks games uh, at the Garden. I, I uh, did talk shows. I did updates. Basically, whatever they wanted me to do, I did. That's good. Um, you're, you're just hustling, you know. I feel like that's the way to get ahead, obviously. And you, you knew that you had something because I saw your your yearbook quote and it said something. Hope to be a broadcaster or something. So you had it. From, you knew that you wanted to do this and you made it happen. So. Um, you know, that's great to see, man. And like, like you said, you were on stuff that maybe people weren't able to hear you on, but that's what you had to do to get, you know, to get your feet wet, you know, and that's, you were hustling. But someone here in the comments said you actually worked at a deli in Bloomfield. I didn't know that. So yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, that's funny. Are they, are they, I wonder if they're from Bloomfield. I wonder how they would know that. I don't know. Um, well, working at the deli, selling cars, and now you're on Fox doing football. I mean, it's, that's the that's legend stuff right there, man. You know what? My first job I worked at, it was this place called the Village Cover. It was this awesome deli in Bloomfield. And no one killed like a ham and cheese sandwich like me as a kid. Like I just destroyed them like every day. So, um, you know, my parents were like, hey, you know, I mean, I didn't certainly didn't grow up with any money. And I grew up with hardworking parents. And they're like, hey, when you're 16, you're getting a job. Um, and actually, I got one. I think I was 15. And it was in the back of the deli peeling potatoes the potato salad um and you know what though i i am so glad that they made me do that because it just made me realize that it made me realize the value of hard work i know it's you know it's cliche but it's not i you know i i like to think i outwork people so and, and that and, and that started for you guys know what it is i mean you you guys know the same deal right i mean you need a little luck but if you don't put in the effort that like you're just not going to get there absolutely i worked at a deli as well and it was it sucked because they only had like one pan and the guy made me clean it like 10 times a day I hated it. Uh, yeah you know you got to do what you got to do to, to get ahead and you, you did it man 
So with the with the background as a Mets fan, Kev, um, we talk about this. It's kind of like a reoccurring theme for for Darren and myself um, about access and how it changes you as either a fan or somebody who um, lo- just loves the game. You you go and you basically cover these guys and you know you get to know them. How much of your fandom are you able to retain throughout the process? Uh, you mean fandom of the sport or of the Mets? Let's say the Mets. Let's go with the Mets. Like once you see behind the curtain, yeah, things sometimes exactly. change. Like myself, for, for example, I've mentioned to Brian a few times. I've met players who I thought were going to be so awesome and nice and friendly, and you meet them and they're and they're kind of pricks. So then, like for a guy yeah. that was such a Mets fan, and then you get a job with the team, obviously you're going to you deal with these guys every day. So it, it could almost kind of ruin it for you a little bit. I just don't know if, it, if that... I, I would... You know, yeah, I think it's a fair question. I would say what happens, um, and there's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of little reasons why, but I, I think your fandom of the team, it can't be as strong for a couple of reasons. Number one, you know, you have to be... You're a journalist and you have to be fair. You know, there's broadcasts across the country that aren't. There's broadcasts across the country that are the biggest home or broadcast you'll ever hear on Earth. But I don't... You know, I was glad we weren't. And I don't think people in New York want that. I think they're smart than that um and and so you know you can't really be have the rose colored Mets glasses on when they suck because otherwise people think you're a joke you can't just put that out there and, and basically lie what you're seeing so I think the, the journalistic aspect is number one where you have to take it back a notch and then I think the other thing is yeah I think anytime you see behind the curtain about how some things go there are some things that are going to be uh, uh, really good surprises and there are some things that you kind of have to temper because maybe it's a little different than your expectations um, so I, I think to say that, you know, is my fandom, um, it, you know, is it now what it was when I was 17 years old? No, it's not, because I'd, I'd gone through that experience eight years old, but that doesn't mean that I, I still don't root for them, doesn't mean that I still don't love them. Uh, and, I, you know, deep down, I still root for them when I was there. You know, I, of course I wanted them to win, you know? I mean, that's, of course, that's always in you, you know? I mean, after, you know, Glavin got bombed in 07 in that last game of the regular season, I, you know, when I got done working two and a half later, hours later, when I got in the car, I was so pissed. Because I was like, ah, oh, you know, it could have been in the playoffs. And, you know, I forgot about me working. I just went into fan mode. I, I think the one thing that, that does change is that, um, you know, we all have our favorite players, right? And mine growing up was Daryl Strawberry. But, you know, I, I think the one thing that does change is you root for people. Um, you know, and, and that doesn't mean that I, you know, you change how you, you're a journalist. But I'll give you an example. Like a uh, guy that comes to mind is Mike Pelfrey. Mike struggled a lot in his Met career, but he was one of the greatest guys he'll ever cover it. He was great. His wife was great. And, and so I wanted him to do well, like guys like that. So I think that changes and that personally you want, you want guys to succeed because they're good guys that, that changes a little bit. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, that's, you hit the nail on the head with that. I mean, it's when, when you meet guys like, you know, I, I said this a few times on the show, I met John Roush and even though he, um, may have not been loved in the fan base he was just one above and beyond for me so i was obviously pulling for him so like when you meet guys that you're pulling for you have a connection to them so obviously that makes a whole lot of sense but we're going to jump right into a question that brian and i were talking about before we went on there a moment like the no hitter on june 1st santana when you knew you had to go on the field afterwards and and you were the first one to get access to him to to interview him what kind of moment is that like do you get nervous or you kind of just throw the blinders on and jump right in I think you get like a, like an adrenaline, like a good rush. I, I I don't I don't think it's. I mean, I guess it's I guess it's good nerves, you know. I mean, I I don't think I'm ever to the point where I'm, um, you know, shaking nervous. I think if if you're doing something new for the first time, it 
Um, it's a little nervous for me, but I think I try and channel it into adrenaline. And, and that game was, I mean, obviously we all know the history. And that game was so wild. I'll never forget because, I mean, you guys know I was always bouncing all over the stadium. And, and I think I had a like a sponsored hit up in the uh, Cellar Club, right? And I'm sitting there drinking a coffee and I just did a hit. And I looked at the, you know, and I, I keep score uh, when I'm running around. I mean, there's sometimes I have to fill it, fill it in a little later because I'm miss stuff, but I'm, I, I keep score. And I looked at the scoreboard and I'm like, holy shit, he's got an, I didn't know he's got a no hitter. <laughs> it's like the fifth inning because it just didn't feel like a no hitter that game. He was so wild and it's just, you know, so I was like, oh, wow. So, you know, after that, I got down next to the, the dugout. And of course, you know, as you're getting closer, I mean, I was rooting so hard for it, number one. And then, um, you know, I, I was just the, the one thing that I just, I didn't uh, want to mess up was the first question because I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I'll go off him after he answers the first question and see how he responds. But you know, that's something that'll be played back forever. So I, I, I was thinking about that and I had all these ideas of, 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 of how to ask it. And then the game ended and, and we get into the, into the, the Mets dugout, and I'm there with Eddie C. And Johan, who Eddie and I both really liked covering, um, you know, he comes in and was so emotional and gives us both hugs. And it was just, it was so cool just to see that. And then, you know, he composed himself for, you know, 10 seconds. I'm like, all right, come on out. And I had all these questions in my head. And I'm like, you know what? He is so emotional. I am just going to not ask a question, which I never do, and I hate when people do it, but it just felt like it was right, and he gushed, so I guess I made the right choice. Totally. We're talking with Kevin Burkhardt of Fox Sports, formerly of SNY, obviously. Um, you know, Kevin, you mentioned, obviously, the team wasn't good for a, a lot of the duration of, uh, of your stint there. Um, is it harder to stay motivated through a 162-game season when the team just isn't very good? Or does that make you more motivated to put on a, a better broadcast knowing, hey, we got to give these guys a reason to stay with us through nine innings? Yeah, I don't think it's harder to be motivated, Bri. I think it's harder to do the job because, look, when they're winning and there's fuzzy feelings and they're playing great, it's it's easier. Everyone wants to talk to you. There's stories abound. You know, it's easy to come across stuff when they're losing. And, you know, they're going on this August swoon and all of a sudden they're 20 games out. Then it's hard because then guys are in a bad mood and they don't want to talk and it's harder to find stories. And, and you have to balance those stories with, with, with what's real. You can't, you can't make stuff up and talk about a guy that's, uh, you know, doing X, Y, and Z if it's just not happening. So it's not – the motivation's always there. I mean, I'm getting paid to go watch baseball. I mean, it's, it's I'm the, one of the luckiest guys in the world. But it absolutely is harder to do the job because you're, A, trying to be truthful and, B, trying to be entertaining and it's hard when the team is is bad so sometimes you have to step back and you know i think when you're with it every day and you know the team's on a losing streak and they're not playing well you, you have kind of like this you know woe is me type thing and, and you feel like the fans are so sick of the team but i think i think those are the days where i just kind of i step back and i i just you know looked a different direction and said you know what um team isn't playing well but it's still professional baseball and they're playing another team tonight and there's a lot of good stories to tell here and those days i would just show up to the park sometimes and 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 instead of going off my notebook of some of the ideas that i brainstorm i would just talk to guys and and sometimes those are the best days best stories that i had so um it definitely is more challenging when they're losing there is no question about it 
I think that's also why fans had such a connection to you because sometimes you get on the mic and I'd watch you during the pregame on SMY. I'm like, holy shit, I can't believe you're saying some of this stuff because you know you indirectly work for the team and you're sitting there saying how you feel, and that's why I think so many fans were big fan. You know, they were fans of you. You know what I mean? But um, like I appreciate it, Darren. Thanks. Yeah, come on, man. I mean, it's I, I can't say enough nice things about you. You've been so so awesome with us uh, since the start, and you you propelled the seven line from behind the scenes more than anyone else ever did and uh, you know it's stuff that we probably can't talk about on air but you know i appreciate it so i <laughs> hey I, listen it's, it's vice versa by the way i mean you, you guys are always great to me so it's easy to it's easy to be nice to someone you know it's it's hard to be it's a lot of hard work to be a jerk so i mean look and what you had done and built i mean it's awesome i thought it was the greatest thing ever so i mean it's 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 Feeling is right back your way. We appreciate that, man. I mean, everywhere we were, you always came out to say what's up. You didn't have to do that. You know, whether it was Philly or D.C. or wherever the hell we were, you always came out. We appreciate it. So thank you. But um, like we were saying, you didn't see a lot of top moments as far as the field was concerned. But do you have anything that really stands out from, you know, your stay with SNY that would really be like a top moment? Is there anything that really stands out for you? You're talking, uh, and this is something that was on the broadcast or off the anything, broadcast? Anything that ever happened in SNY, your career, like anything that was like the top memory of your stay there, like maybe besides covering the, the no-hitter, obviously there wasn't a World Series run during your reign there, but what may have been a top moment? Yeah, there wasn't a World Series run, but there were, you know, I did get to cover a lot of cool moments. I mean, you know, um, I got to cover a lot of awesome games. I got to cover Jose Reyes winning a batting title, R.A. Dickey winning a Cy Young. I mean, we had some... You know, pretty good stories when I was there, even when they weren't uh, playing extremely well. Um, you know, for me, I think it was a lot of things. I think, <clears throat> you know, getting to work with that group and everyone behind the scenes is great. But, you know, Gary and Keith and Ron from day one were, I mean, they were like, you know, we became fast friends. And, and you know, sometimes it was kind of surreal that uh, I could go on the air from a sideline report and bust Keith's chops. But he was, he, he loved it, you know, and um, we just had such a great rapper. And I, really, I give them a lot of credit because um, we all got along really, really well. And they're all three of those guys are so different, as you guys know, personality wise. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, Gary was my seatmate on taxis to the game and the airport uh, and our flights. And we talked all the time. And Ronnie, you know, was uh, after the game, post game, uh, a drink at the hotel bar. And Keith is like, we're texting each other jokes. You know, we all have. We all had a, a, a really good thing. And I think the thing that I'll appreciate the most is that, you know, so here's Gary, who's established one of the greats ever in the game. And then obviously Keith and Ron, they're playing days. And then what I think of them as announcers, too. And when I the first moment I came in, they never were like, you know, who's this guy? They never like this, you know, whatever. They were always so encouraging and you know, a couple of examples are are this. You know, when I I, I just kind of started doing the play by play when things would happen, and you know, I never wanted to step on Gary's toes, obviously. But if I was in the middle of the story, you know, no one told me to do. It, I just kind of did it, and and I I had checked with Gary after I did it a couple of times. I'm like, hey man, like, are you? I don't want to steal your thunder. You know, I was like, it just kind of was in the middle of the, of the story, and it just kind of. And he's like, no, no, no. He was awesome. He's like, no, do it. He's like, it's great. I love it. You know, and you know, there were times where I'd send it back to him. There were times I would just do it. It, it just kind of, it was a feel thing. And he let me roll. You know, most guys wouldn't do that. Um, you know, I would do a story, and uh, instead of just letting the story be done, Keith and Ronnie, ninety percent of the time, if the game allowed it, would always jump in and add on to what I was talking about to make it. Uh, to get basically to give it credibility if it was credible, so right. they didn't have 
They didn't have to do that, but they did it uh, from day one. And that's what I'll never forget about those guys and, and how they treated me. I mean, that's, that's like nothing like it. Before I ask the next question, can you give us it back to you, Gar? <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and, and that's why David Wright is now wearing a glove in his other hand. Back to you, Gar. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, man. So we actually had um, – you kind of already answered it because uh, we had a question from a fan. They wanted to know – who you missed the most from SNY, but I don't know if that's going to be an easy one for you to answer. If you had to, gun to your head, could you pick a guy out of Gary, Keith, and Ron that you would say no. you missed the most? That's just, it's really impossible because I, I mean, I'm not just, I have no reason to lie. I really, truly liked all three of them very, very much. Uh, it's kind of like I just said, they're all so different. And, and um, you know, we all kind of, our friendship had kind of different paths for each of them. Um, but there was a, there's just a, such a good respect level there. Um, you know, I mean, it, it, it's unbelievable. You know, Gary, who I just respect the hell out of so much, and he was always so good. He would give me, you know, when I would when I started doing play by play, and I'd never done it on TV before, baseball. I'd done it on the radio. He was just so good. He'd give me little tips and little pointers, and um, you know, most guys are quite honestly not confident in their own ability to do that. They think, oh, here's a younger guy. He's trying to take my job. Gary was the opposite. He was nurturing, and he thought I did a good job, and he wanted me to get better. And, so that says a lot about him. And then the other two guys are just, they're just great, man. I mean, they're guys that you want to have a beer with. And, and I was fortunate to have a bunch of them. I'm pretty cool. I'm jealous. All right. I got to give you a little bit of a hard time for this before we move on to, to the Fox portion of your career. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's the KB curse, man. You, you got to know <laughs> it's coming. Cotter gets to the playoffs in 06. Then you come on go 0 for 8. And then Gelbs comes on first year and gets to the World Series. What's up with that? Well, I I I think I said this when the Mets went to the World Series to maybe it was Neil Best who called me on it. Um, but I listen, I will take the the heat and the or the credit, however you want to work for for the the eight horrible years. But I have nothing to do with like the other forty two years of futility in the Mets, uh, you know, history books. So I mean, you know, you could give me for the eight. But uh, but not the other one. So so I listen. All good, Brian. I take I'll take the blame. I will take it. <laughs> well, we would, in fairness, we we wanted our cake and eat it, and have to be able to eat it too. We would have loved to see you get that far. Um, and you know, obviously, it would have been it would have been a thrill. We'll get to it in a little bit. Um, and then you were there in, in some way, but uh, there in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, just moving along with like on the same aspect of of uh, of. Galvin's getting to the World Series on year year one. He had yeah. some huge shoes to fill. I mean, you were such a fan favorite, and I feel like you must have had a pretty hard transition getting taking your job. You know, you're not really taking your job, but being the new guy in the block. So before you left, and you know, he was the new guy coming in. Did you like sit down on any pointers? Was there any kind of uh, transition process between you guys, or was he just going to the going to the wolves? No, 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 no. We. Um... You know, if, I don't know if you remember my last year there. So what, 2014? Um, you know, he he filled in a lot for me because I was doing a bunch of Fox stuff that year. So um, he filled in a lot, and that's in training. We we spent a good amount of time together, and I I just tried to give him the the, the basics of what I do and what I thought worked, and, and some of the things of how you know I started building relationships and talking to people, those types of things. You know, he had to find his own style and his own. Uh, way and his own methods and his own reporting that that I can't do. So we talked a lot, and in that first year, we texted a decent amount. He would uh, he'd text me, and I, uh, you know, if he had a question, I'd always get back to him. You know, the thing is, and it wasn't as 
the same for me because Cotter only did it one year. I thought Cotter was great, and, I, and watching him, I loved him. And so the first year, beginning of it, the first two months, everyone always called me Cotter and everything, the whole thing, and, and, you know, it is what it is. And this thing, like, you know, I look, I was there for a long time. I was there for eight years, and I, I felt um, humble that everyone thought I did such a good job. But Gelbs has done a great job. And, like, this whole – everyone tried to put this, like, me against Gelbs type thing. Like, dude, I'm friends with the guy. I like him. I, I want him to do well. I have – like, there. it doesn't benefit me at all for him not to do well. You know what I mean? So um, so I, uh, I'm i just happy for him because I think he's settled in and, and he's kind of found a niche for himself. But, yeah, I'm sure it was tough because everyone in the beginning, oh, where's Kevin, all that, you know, BS. So good for him for pushing through it. What's it like? You're sitting there. Uh, you have, I mean, we're we're the seven line. We're we're you've got friends that are sitting right by you in the World Series. You're watching a team that you grew up rooting for, that you worked basically for uh, for eight seasons. Now they're in the World Series. What's it like to see that? And then what's it like to see them lose that series in the way they did? Well, being back there, you know, it's funny because you're talking about the curse, right? And, I'm, and they're in the World Series, but I got I got to be there, and, and, and it, it was one of the coolest things in the world. From everything, from being a Mets fan as a kid to you know being there for the last eight years to going back and, and seeing all my friends and you know and being there on a grand stage. I mean, hosting it nationally. Uh, I mean, it, it was like a it was a dream. It really was, and I will never forget ever. I mean, there's there's a few things I'll never forget from my time there, but I will never forget being up there on that set and you guys, you know, right in front of me in the section, you know, chanting my name and I'm sitting next to A-Rod and Frank Thomas and Abanias and Pete Rose and they are loving it. They're like, you know, Pete's like, Rose like, this is unbelievable. And A-Rod's like, I love it. They're chanting Burkhart. And it, I'm like, is this real life? Like I'm sitting here with these guys and they're chanting me. It was just, it was so neat to be back um, and to be there. Like, you know, I, I was, I asked immediately where our set would be. I was hoping it would be there in center field right by you guys. And that was so cool. Um, and then losing, you know, I mean, you know, we were in Kansas city, the first couple games. So the, you know, the Gordon home run off familiar was just, it was an absolute, absolute killer. I mean, you know, that, that reminded me of, of certain things and, in Met Pass in, in a bad way. You know, it, that game was locked up. The million never gives up home runs. Gordon wasn't hit many uh, of recent uh, times. And, you know, that had, had like a Timo Perez feel to me in some way, uh, that game, you know, and I had bad feelings. But, you know, you go back to New York and game five, the way Harvey was pitching, it was just, it was so electric. And it was, and you're like, all right, cool. Let's go back to Kansas City. It was like, man, I was, you know, you're a little bummed deep down, but guess what? I had a show to do, and the Royals won the World Series. So it, you have to shove it deep down in your in your gut for a while, you know? How much of, like, a, the transition to Cali, have you ever lived out there prior to this, or did you just kind of just take the job and, and bring the family out west? Like, what was that like? Well, I mean, it, it was a no-brainer there. I mean, you know, my uh, my contract was up, was up with S&Y, and, um, the, you know, what Fox was offering was it, it was a no-brainer. I mean, it was getting, getting a chance to do – Continue to an NFL, which I had done for a year or two. Uh, I think I think one year when I was with SNY, and, and then you know hosting Major League Baseball in the playoffs and the All Star Game in the World Series, it was a no brainer. So the difficult thing is that yeah, you're going to California. Um, I was pretty excited about it actually. It was it's just kind of cool to change it up and do something different. But I was hoping that my wife and my son wouldn't hate me. So um, you know just breaking the news to them like hey you know great news uh got this awesome job and uh oh and yeah it's also in los angeles so um all right i'll see you tomorrow morning <laughs> you know it's like how do you say that and, and you know my wife is awesome from 
the get-go. She was so supportive. And, and you know what? It was kind of a cool adventure. You're coming out to a place that you don't really know anybody. I mean, I had a couple of friends out here, but not a ton. You know, I'd been out here a bunch with the mess and stuff, so I knew it a little bit. But I have to say, I love it out here. I mean, it's, it is a great lifestyle. I mean, I, of course, I miss the East Coast, miss my friends, but I, it's, been, it's been really fun. It'll be almost three years out here in August, so uh, time flies, fellas. It really does. With the, with the Fox gig, I mean, obviously, we knew you through baseball really well. Um, then you get, then you end up as one of the play-by-play guys for, for the NFL on Fox. Um, I think, personally, just anecdotally, um, I didn't know what to really expect you calling football and i was blown away from from the jump um you were just so good um so from sideline reporter yeah absolutely from sideline reporter um to play-by-play man and then obviously you're doing the studio stuff what role's the hardest they're all they're all challenging i mean i i don't know if i would use like what's the hardest i mean i think that um you know, look, I, I think probably play-by-play is, is going to be the hardest because you're on for three and a half hours straight and you are talking a lot. And, you know, you make one little mistake and it's uh, zoomed in by people, you know. Um, but at the same time, the adrenaline rush from, for that, for me, is kind of unparalleled. So I, I love it just the same. I, you know, I think the flip, script, the flip side of that is like the sideline reporter job. You know, you're certainly not on nearly as much. You prep um a lot i I probably a different kind of prep than when i'm doing play by play but you can look like just as big a fool in a sideline report in 30 seconds as you can with one slip up doing three hours of tv so that's the challenge is that you're always on there is no it doesn't matter if you've got the flu if you're had a bad day at home or whatever like you're on you are always on so but that's not that's you know for me i just i love it i love the versatility of it i love changing roles and i love proving people wrong so that's what kind of drives me you on the spot here a little bit um, with play-by-play. Um, Joe Buck said uh, a few about a few months ago that he can see kind of the end in sight to the baseball side of things for him. Um, without putting you in position a lobby for a job or anything like that, is is that voice, you know, the number one voice at Fox for baseball, is that on kind of like the wish list on the dream board, so to speak? Is is that something that, that you could see yourself being interested in uh, a few years down the road? Well, look, if Joe, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I was a little surprised that that came out just because I think he's awesome. <laughs> but uh, if he really decides that, if he, you know, after in whatever it is, three years, I think he said, uh, if, if he decides to just focus on football or whatever else he wants to do, um, of course, I'd be. I mean, how could you not want to be calling the World Series? But at the same time, I really do love the studio. And, you know, if. We keep what we had rolling last year, which I thought was pretty special with our group. I, I really enjoyed that, you know. So I, I think I'm fortunate either way. Of course, I'd be interested in it, right? Who would, right? But I mean, I, I'm I'm also like what I'm doing. If that answers your question. So even though this isn't an, isn't an orange and blue thing, got to ask you about handing over the commissioner's trophy last year. You know, you on the field, the Mets fans were going nuts on social media, seeing you out there. Everyone's writing KB, KB. Everyone was really excited. That you got the the honor to do that, and we just want to know what was that like? Was you know what was the experience like? Just just being a part of such a historical moment in baseball. I mean, the Cubs waited forever, and you're the guy that was holding the trophy, handing it over. It was one of the coolest things, uh, not only that I've done, but one of the coolest things I'll ever do in my career. I mean, it really was. I, it, it you asked about being nervous. I was nervous for that because you know I'd never done anything like that before, and. Uh, 
you know, I had not done it before at Fox. Aaron Andrews had done it. Chris Myers, I think, had done it. Um, but I hadn't. And so, like, hey, you're going to go do it. Oh, and it's the Cubs. So, you know, no pressure. Only for the next 200 years, I'll probably be playing it back because it's history. So um, I was a little nervous for that, but I was excited. And, and I'll never forget. I mean, the World Series was, was amazing, obviously, too. But when they won the pennant at Wrigley, you know, being at Wrigley and outside, I got done with the whole thing and I, I was walking off um, through center field and, I, and our set was across the street by Merce, by uh, the, the bar. And I'm just walking off the field and I'm looking around and they're singing, go Cubs go. And I'm like, you know, I, I'm like, this is crazy. Like this is actually real life that I am sitting here right now that I just did that. That was like one of those moments where it just hit you how lucky you are. And I was, it was really cool, man. I mean, I, I don't know how many moments I'll have quite as cool as that, you know, getting a chance to, to give the trophy to the Cubs. It was just surreal. It really was. We, uh, we have one or two more questions before we let you go, Kev. Um, we have the picture up here um, on the screen of you and your, your partner for the last three years, John Lynch. Obviously, he's off to San Francisco, six-year deal to be the club's general manager. Um, any idea who might fill his shoes or um, – and what was it like working with John the last year? If you guys have ideas, I'd love to hear. <laughs> I, I I have no clue. Um, you know what their what what the idea is. You know, obviously it was kind of a shock. I mean, I knew John was interviewing for it. Um, I knew it was something that he aspired to do. I just didn't think it was going to be right now. So, but you know, they blew him away, and 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 the situation worked. So. I don't think, I mean, our guys uh, at Fox, I know, have some ideas. We haven't sat down yet. They, you know, they just, this happened and they were prepping for the Super Bowl. So it just, it just hasn't happened yet. But, you know, I just, look, the thing is, um, for me, I was lucky. John was as good a guy as you'll imagine. And I, and I think for us, look, you don't have to love who you work with in this business. But I truly loved and respected him. He, he is as good as it gets. I mean, he's the guy that, despite the fact he's a Hall of Fame caliber player, he goes to like the last person on our crew, like the college intern, and like goes up, shakes their hand. How you doing? What's your name? Oh, Sam. Where do you go to school? That's John. You know, and and I think he's great. I think he was a star. So it's going to be hard to replace. You know, you don't just easily replace guys like that. I, I have no idea um, what they're thinking. So, yeah, because someone in the uh, comments here just said Rex Ryan, but I don't know if that's happening. <laughs> oh wow, I didn't even know that. So, so before we let you go, we have to bring up the Shea Bridge farewell, KB. Before you got on here, we do a clip of the week on on the show every week. So the clip of the week was you at the bar afterwards at the Pine when you bought a round of shot, round of drinks for everyone in the place. It was a great night. I think it was um, September seventeenth, two thousand fourteen. But we uh, promoted the farewell, KB, you know, night and the Shea Bridge. I've never seen it so packed. I got the photo here on the screen. I just don't know if. Um, Maybe you want to just touch on that night a little bit. Yeah, it, it, I, I'll never forget it as long as I live. I mean, there are certain things that, uh, you know, you won't forget. Obviously, you guys are both dads. Um, you, you'll never forget that, right? The, the birth of your first child. Uh, you'll, you know, your your wedding night, your, you know, you'll have those, those moments. That night was truly one of those nights for me. It just was. I mean, you know, I'll never forget when you... <laughs> You, you know, we were texting, you tell me, oh, I'm going to, you know, put it out there. And I was like, oh, that's really nice of you to do. That's awesome. You know, it'll be fun. And and then it just kind of turned into this thing. And that's, I remember telling you, I was like, wow, you know what? Let's make it a party. Like everyone, everyone will go to the, across the street to the Pines and we'll, let's, let's make it a party. Let's, let's do it up. And, and even that being said, you know, I was like, oh, this is going to be a fun night. There'll be people here. And 
I, I, I remember I was up in the booth and, um, you know, they had me do whatever, an inning with the guys. And then I was kind of done. It was like the sixth inning. And, and I looked out on the bridge. I was like, holy cow. Like that can't, that can't just be here. Like for, for people to come out and hang out with, with me. Right. That can't be. And then walking out there with Maddie Dunn, my, uh, field producer, I, I, I never seen anything like it in my life. I mean, I, I've, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, that, that you guys know that bridge you couldn't even move i mean the security guys were like you got to get them to move i'm like hey man tough deal with it i mean it it is what it is i'm not i'm, I'm not breaking this one up you know and just walking through it and all of uh, all of the fans and and all these so many familiar faces and people some people that are, that weren't familiar and, and the thing that blew me away just on top of that is people coming out to me was that people came to the damn game to, just to say goodbye to me. It was the, one of the most touching things I've ever seen in my life. And, you know, I tried to take as many pictures as I could and, and hug as many people as I could. And, um, you know, you made that awesome sign that a ton of people signed that I don't know. Um, I don't know if you have it up, but yeah, I think it's right in the, it's right, you know, my, I'm still putting my office together. I just got a new, uh, I just moved into a, a new house in April. So it's still kind of coming along, but that is, uh, one of the things that I had up, you know, framed up, how can I not? I mean, it's, it's a reminder of one of the coolest nights of my life. And, and then, you know, the party after was just something that, you know, when, when I kind of found out what was happening, I said, how can I it's kind of hard to reward everyone? And how do you do it? So I, I just invited everybody to come to the bar and I don't know, I don't know you guys, how many people, I mean, what were we have four or 500 people there. We had a good amount of people that came, I think, to the bar. When you say uh, Kevin Burkhardt sat with the after party at the bar, I'm pretty sure everyone that heard that, it was it was awesome. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm just really fortunate to have those relationships with with, um, with the fans. I mean, it's, I don't, I, you can't, you can't get that. And the one thing is, you know, like as as amazing as my job is now, and it, it is fantastic. You can never have what I had with Met fans anywhere else. It just, it can't. You'll you'll never have that. It doesn't exist. It, it was so special, and it it's cool because it is still special. You know, I still have. I think most of those people still follow me, and I still interact with a decent amount of them on Twitter, and, and I love it. It's great. Before we let you go, Kev, um, twenty seventeen Mets. Uh, what do you think? What's the, what do you think your outlook is for this team? Yeah, I think it's I, I think it's health. Uh, number one, you're just keeping those arms healthy. You know, I thought they were gutty last year, despite you know battling through some stuff with injuries and things like that. I thought they were I thought they were a pretty gutty team, and and look. You know, the playoff game was what it was. Crazy game, well-pitched game. Um, you know, I, I think that just keeping those starting pitchers healthy, I, I would love to see him get one more arm in the bullpen. Um, and, and look, the offense, look, they'll be hot and cold streaks with the offense, I think. But I, I think overall, I, I think they're a playoff team. I, I'd be surprised if they aren't a playoff team. And I think, you know, I think Washington, um, you know, they took some hits. So how do they respond? So I, I think the Mets and Nationals right there, but I'd, I'd be surprised if the Mets aren't a playoff team. The one thing that would concern me is, you know, and I'm not even sure regular season, but truthfully, just postseason familiar because it is a thing now. And and I think he, you know, he's a guy with great character. I, you know, when I covered him, I, he's got he's got a lot of uh, cajones, so to speak. But you know, it's a real thing. He's he's come up short in some playoff games, so when you get back to there, that is going to be a storyline. So that will be something to watch. Like crazy, and uh, and you know, we always wish you all the best. Um, can't wait to to see you, and hopefully, we'll see you out in center field come October. Uh, yeah, well, you know, I love you guys. 
appreciate you having me on. Please tell everyone hello. Uh, and I don't know, maybe I, I've been I've been uh, asking Fox to throw me a couple of Mets play by play during the regular season. So let's see. Uh, maybe 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 this will be the year. That'll be pretty cool. Yeah. That'd be awesome, man. Thanks a lot. You gave us more than than I even thought we were going to get. So almost forty minutes now. But thanks so much. Have a great day out there in Cali, and we'll be missing you. And we'll see you soon whenever you get back to East Coast. Sounds good, fellas. Best to the families. We'll see you. Thanks, man. Kevin Burkhardt from Fox Sports. Uh, listen, hopefully you guys heard most <sighs> of that. Obviously, the audio wasn't going to be. It, it's it's never perfect. Uh, it is what it is. We we tested this one hundred and fifty times. And uh, and hopefully you guys got the bulk of it. Um, if you're listening later on iTunes, Keith is going to clean it up. And uh, and Darren, don't yeah, as much as he can. Yeah. yeah, as much as he can. I mean, listen, we're we're working here with. Uh, yeah, I know we're back. Um, um, listen, it is listen, it is what it is. It's going to be perfect. So whatever. Man, I'm so disappointed. I think I think they got almost all of Kevin. So that's. I mean, who knows? Here are stupid voices. Before we keep going now, because the show actually is over. What the hell's going on here? I have no idea what's going on. We're getting texts now that things aren't going good. I have no idea what's going on. Before we keep going, hang with us. We still got a pretty much a, a half hour of show left, and we've already kept you pretty long. People are saying we're already robotic. I have no idea what's going on. I'm gonna plug this back in and then just give it a second and see what happens. Yeah. We'll just we'll wait and end. It's just one of those things. I know, man. But still, things. I get disappointed. And we're not even drinking tonight. We're not. Well, I'm drinking. He's been having some sodas. I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm a little nervous about this interview. I want it to go well. I got some reading to do over here. And you can probably see the expressions on my face. Reading the comments that kept saying, it's not working. It's not working. It's not working. Like, I know. I know. I'm, I can't do anything when we have the guy on the call. So I appreciate you letting us know that it sucked. But um, I have no idea. We're... we're we're just trying to get by over here, but what are you gonna do? Hey, listen, it. I think, like I said, I think we got most of Kevin. I think we we got his answers. Uh, I mean, you know what? We heard the interview and it was great. Yeah, it was but, really good. <laughs> I should have heard it. It was fantastic. Um, I think I think we both we mostly got what we were looking for. Like I said, you can tell our questions basically from his answers. So if we're a little low or there's a hiss or whatever, he's gonna clear it up in post production. Thank if you, can. Can. if you can, thanks for tuning in live. Let's get to some other stuff, and then we'll work from there. So, as um, a podcast, this is going to suck. But as a Facebook show, it wasn't all that bad. I mean, we still got a pretty good amount of people watching. But you know what? It's a learning experience, and that's why we're down here. And I'm glad that if it's going to happen with anyone, it's a guy that we're friends with in KB, and he's not going to be disappointed in us. He's a, you know, he's a man of the people, and he'll understand that things happen. So, yeah. so let's go to our poll for the week. Uh, Again, our thanks, Kevin Burkhardt, for joining us today. Uh, our poll for this week, we, we went a little fun. Um, Mets minor league affiliates. Um, who has the, the, the best name? And it's, it's a really interesting thing because a couple of these are new. Um, a very strong showing from the Rumble Ponies. But the, I like the Rumble Ponies name, and there's a, there's a reason behind it. A lot of people don't know that. But um, like we were saying last week, I think a lot of the stuff is either generational or um, – you know, regional. So the Cyclones, we didn't read it because if you're listening, if you're listening to this afterwards and you got this far, thanks for listening. If you got through the KB interview with all that static, but the, uh, the poll was put up on our Twitter account, which is orange, blue thing, orange and blue thing was too long. So it's orange, blue thing. We put up a poll and it said, uh, which Mets minor league team has the best name and over 1500 people voted on it. 47% of them said the Cyclones. 
which I'm thinking they probably won, not only because of it being a New York team, you know, I think the whole aspect of Coney Island and the Cyclone, the roller coaster, I mean, people have a connection with that, but Cyclones with 47%. Second was the new team up, well, it's not really a new team, just new name up upstate, the Rumble Ponies up in Binghamton, they got 31%. Third place, 14%, the 51s, obviously alien-related out in Las Vegas. And then last but not least, only 8% for the Fire Fireflies. I am, I am the 8%. He's the 8%. So um, I don't really know much about why they're called the Fireflies. I don't know if there's any background to that. But the other ones are just kind of like, it makes, it's common sense. I don't know know if there's a background to it, but it just sounds so nice and serene to me. Like the Columbia Fireflies, and you're just, you're sitting on your back porch, you got a ball game on, Fireflies are going by, and the kids are trying to catch them. I don't know, it just sounds nice. It relaxes me. Plus, their their visual identity is really cool. I like the glow-in-the-dark elements of their hats. And stuff. I, didn't even know that. I didn't even know about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's cool. So, I mean, I, I like the Fireflies. I don't think the Rubble Ponies are that bad, especially when you see what uh, the other choices were. Well, do you know why they're called that? They're, yeah, the carousels. And yeah, they like right? the... Like- I don't know if it's like the carousel capital of the world, but up in Binghamton, I lived there for a little bit. There was two carousels donated back in the day, like the early 20s or something like that. And now I think there's like nine carousels in like the broom area upstate. So um, the Rumble Ponies, if you look at the logo, it's actually like a a horse with, um, you know, like a pole through it, which would be like on a carousel. So that's there's meaning behind it. And that's obviously the 51s with um, Area Area 51. And from Las Vegas, there's like the, what is it called? The... um, uh, extraterrestrial highway. Like, there's a whole bunch of like alien stuff going on out there. Um, we just got a text from KB that says he enjoyed it, so at least he had a good time. But uh, I'm over here freaking out still. But yeah, so that's the poll of the week. Cyclones with top honors, obvious reasons, I think, because New York. I know you don't like the 51s because they don't have any orange and blue. Yeah, we talked about that also. Like, I, I don't. I feel like if you're the minor league team in whatever level of the Mets, you should have some type of orange and blue in your uniform. You're not going to completely rebrand because they do go through uh, team affiliates pretty frequently. I think the 51s, I think, were the Blue Jays. They've been a bunch. They, the, the problem is is that nobody wants to be in Vegas. So it's too far away from a lot of teams. Yeah, the ballpark stinks. The ballpark, and it's the Pacific Coast League, the, and the, the ballpark is terrible for pitchers. It's a, it's a hitter's haven, so you can't get a good barometer on how your players are performing. So, I mean, I know why they don't have any orange or blue. It's because if once the Mets have another option, they're probably going to be out of there. But it makes sense. But you could have like, some kind of alternate, you know, or do something Mets related oh, yeah. um, as far as the top is concerned. Maybe not rebrand the whole thing and change the colors of the seats, but I'm saying something sure. to be affiliated somewhat with the Mets. I, I liked when the Bisons had the um, – it was like – it wasn't royal blue. It was like a dark navy. I like that. I think it was cool. It was different, you know. And and we're not, you know, crapping on the teams that aren't on the list here. But if you have Mets in your names, like St. Lucie Mets, it, it didn't make sense. You're already the Mets. But yeah, so whatever. I'm gonna check out the logos of the Fireflies. I want to check that out. I didn't even know they had like some cool options like that. Yeah, very very kind of cool stuff. Um, let's move down to our, our breaking news because it's something that I just not just came out last night. It is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. MLB is reportedly considering starting extra innings with a runner on second base as if this is college football and <laughs> we need to start from the 20-yard line. Get out of here! You want to improve the pace of play? Stop with the commercials. That's the bottom That's line. That's never going to happen. It's, it's money. Like, but you can trim a little bit. Pitchers need five tosses between uh, innings. That's it. So uh, I, don't, I don't understand why this is a – don't change my game. And tell me, it's like, it's like, don't piss on my leg and tell me it's raining. Don't change the game on me. 
if, like, before you fix the other stuff, which is all the production elements and the advertising, obviously that's their bread and butter. That's where they get their bills paid. It is what it is, man. Like, wait, so you're going to do this? I mean, we talked about it last night. How many games go 18 innings? That Dude, this is that big of a problem. Well, this is the reason behind it, or the reasoning behind it, I think, is um, what was posted. This was a Sports Illustrated story that went up last night, and if you're not... If you're listening to this afterwards, I'll read. I'll paraphrase some of this here for you. So the rule change would be first implemented in the minor leagues just to test it out. But it, right here it says, um, this will be a part of the World Baseball Classic next month. So right away this is going to be in games. And games that to a lot of people matter a great deal. You know, Some people take the World Baseball Classic very seriously. And do you want to lose a game because you get to the extra innings and there's a guy that started on second? You know, with no outs, and all of a sudden, you know, they 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 win. It's 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 really not fair. And um, there's a quote here from Joe Torre, and he said, uh, "Let me get to it, just so I don't screw this up." It's not fun to watch when you go through your whole pitching staff and wind up bringing in utility infielders to pitch. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I think that's fun. Like when Ike Davis had to pitch a couple times, but um, as much as it's nice to talk about being at the 18 inning game, it takes a lot of time. So. Uh, how often does an 18-inning game happen? And an extra-inning game last year decided the World Series. So imagine getting to the World Series. Game yeah, 7, it's, it's, right. it's, to, it's to get the freaking, the, the, the whole ball of guacamole. You're going to win the World Series, and you're starting the game with a guy on second base just because he went to extra innings? It's stupid. It's nuts. So this cannot, well, and you know what? In the backlash they had even today, like, players got involved. Like, oh, what's next? Starting with three balls, you know what I mean? And Noah Syndergaard just wrote, nope, like, People are not in favor of this, and I hope that the – I really just hope this doesn't happen. I, I would think the union would have to be on board with this because – With or against? Well, I would – they would have to be on board with it to do it, and I don't think they're going to do it. I mean, unless uh, the owners want to give the Players Association like a special roster spot that makes Eric Young or Jared Dyson, guys like that are really fast, um, you know, basically a special circumstance. I don't know. I didn't read – a lot of this, um, since this just came out last night, and I mean, there's not that much information on it yet. Yeah, so how do, this, how do you determine the runner on second? Who is the runner going to be? How do you figure out who that runner is going to be? Is it just some guy? Can you put out like? Does it? Is it always going to be your fastest guy? Can you put Reyes out on second every single can time? Can you use a, Can you use a guy twice? Or if you already used a guy as a pinch runner earlier in the game, can he come out again? Like probably not because he's already been used. So you have to actually that would change the game so drastically that especially in a close game that matters, mm -hmm. they would save that fast guy. Like, oh, shit, you might need him for extras. Like, you can't play. You know what I mean? It's such a bad idea. You could put, like, a last batted out kind of thing on, uh, uh, like, on second base. But, like, I feel like this is travel baseball. Like, why are we doing this? It's so dumb. <laughs> and, like, the most, one of the most organic, exciting moments is a walk-off. And, yeah, I guess you would get more walk-offs like this. But, I mean, it's, it, you start with the Either way, someone's got to win. But, like... I think it's just completely ridiculous. But uh, it's funny here. Someone said, why don't they just run backwards while they're at it? You yeah, know, it's, it's crazy. This is a crazy... I don't know if they did this just to troll people, to get people like to have some type of conversation here. But it's a, such a bad idea. And, I, and if they're really going to do this in the WBC in, in, you know, next month or whatever, that's horrible. Stupid. Very, very bad. Stupid, stupid, stupid. I am so against it. It's not even funny. Uh, I find this pace of play stuff insulting. It's their... Two very easy ways to fix pace of play, especially in September. You designate a 25-man roster every night, so you can't do this changing pitchers every batter thing. Um, that's number one. Number two, uh, which I think is obviously um, at the heart of the issue, 
is you need to you could take commercial breaks every other inning, like every half, not every half inning, but every inning, and then somebody could sponsor, uh, what you call it, uh, like an in-game report by Kevin Burkhardt or whatever, Steve Gelbs, where it's like, and you know, this is our middle of the. Burkhardt did the uh, ground screw for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got so flustered during that that interview. I had so much more to ask, and I was reading the comments, and everyone was saying, the audio sucks. I'm over here fiddling with the keyboard, so we'll get better at this. But, yeah, I mean, I just totally got sidetracked there for a second. But, yeah, this this breaking news yesterday that came out yesterday is horrible. Garbage. I hope it doesn't happen. And I think maybe after they see the backlash, then they'll just change their mind, just like the like the Chargers did when they put their logo out. That, that You know that was going to be their logo. Yeah, it's and then they saw all the backlash. But like, it's like, did you watch the XFL documentary last? I did. Week on the thirty for thirty. Well, it's like changing the rules of the coin toss for them. It was like awesome because it was like the the edgy whatever. Changing the rules now in baseball is the stupidest idea I've ever heard. So yeah. call, don't do it. Call them the XFL. Tweet at MLB and tell them they're the XFL. I'm sure they'll love it. <laughs> I'm sure they'll just love to be grouped in with the XFL. <laughs> Uh, that that documentary, by the way, was awesome. I know we. I thought it was good. It I think it was. There. It could have been like two hours. It was. A, it felt a little rushed. It was rushed. They yeah. left out a lot of stuff. Um, you know, you didn't hear about. I mean, the story wasn't how they, how they, how the you know he hate me or whatever that he actually played in in, in the NFL. The story wasn't about that, but I felt like they could have put that a little bit more in the story before, rather than it just being like a little caption in in the credits. Right. But. Um, we're going to get along to the Facebook Q&A here. We appreciate you staying this long. I know there were some issues, and I keep saying it because I just feel bad, but Brian doesn't seem to care. But It's um, not that I don't care. It's just that like it happens. It is what it is. I think you guys got 90% of it. I could be wrong. He's going to do what he can do. Uh, you know, The people watching live, they know. It's a live show. It's technical difficulties. Things happen, uh, so it, it, the show must go on, my you know, friend. It might, might make me feel a little bit better. What's going to make you feel better? Before we got on the show, I went on Periscope, and I went on Instagram Live. Then this isn't even planned. I wasn't going to do this. Um, we have 15 new hats coming out with New Era, and I got a box of samples last two weeks ago, and I've been biting my tongue because I wasn't allowed to show them off yet, but I got the green light today to show them off. So I'm actually wearing one right now. I don't know if it's... Totally blending in with the background. Probably is because what else is going wrong tonight? But this is a new hat we have coming out. I'll get nice and close here. It, it looks like our jersey, which I got the sample a couple of days ago. So it took elements of the jersey, which is a pinstripe with blue sleeves, and got a hat made. It is these pinstripes are going to be solid. This is just a sample, and, and it didn't come out exactly how I wanted to, but. On the side here is the orange and blue New Era flag. On the opposite side is a woven patch. So it's not embroidered, it's woven. It looks really fancy, really nice and clean. On the back is um, the snaps are actually stars. And the cool thing here too is we have hang tags now or woven tags that say our name on it. The coolest part about this, I think, you can't see it while you're wearing it, but it's the little things that matter and the little touches that matter. The inside of the hat, is a photo that Drea took of the crew last year at the wild card game. So if you were there, you could probably see yourself in there. And I think that's a really cool new fresh aspect of just the hat game that we're trying to we're trying to raise the freaking bar a little bit here. And we've we've been doing hats for quite a few years now, but we we got to the level with New Era where we're allowed to do these cool new things. You know, we we've done the embroidery, we've done custom colors, we could do fabrics or this and that. But in implementing like our tags on the inside, 
and photos on the inside and these little hang tags. These are all extra features that we weren't able to do before. But now that we're, I guess, a little, little bit more known and we're moving a lot of product as far as the hats are concerned, we're able to do this cool stuff. So thank you for helping us grow the hat business because you've been so loyal to us over the past couple of years. And to New Era, that just made us look a little bit more legit. So I guess we're allowed to do stuff like that. So I'm wearing another one here. I'm not going to really go too deep into that one yet, but that is the Shea Bridge. It's a photo of the Shea Bridge on a hat. I'm wearing one too. So this one's going to slightly change. The outline's going to be orange instead of white, but uh, we got a lot going on. We yeah. have a lot going on coming out soon. And can I, can I he's say, wearing one too. I'm wearing one too. I got I to gotta say this. Uh, this is the 20th anniversary of the ice cream man caps uh for one year the mets wore alternate uh white caps it's before they went to the black the ice creams yep so this is basically the homage to that we've done the uniform caps this is yep. our third uniform cap so we did the, the 1987 um the 1980 wait 1987 and, and then and then the 88 to 92. 88 to 92 and then this is the 97 so if you can see obviously it was an ny uh back then Darren went with the Mets script, and if you can see, there's that extra white outline, which is actually on the jerseys in 97. Uh, so this is, and then you can I show the inside? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the Ice Cream Man hat. So there's ice cream on the inside of that. So if you follow me on Instagram, I was actually shooting photos of ice cream with orange and blue sprinkles in my kitchen a couple months ago, and now it's on the inside of the hat. So the reason why it's not the NY on the front, and it's the Mets, it's supposed to be a hat version of the jersey so if you look at the other two uh uniform hats we've done before this they were not ny's they were always whatever was across the chest of that jersey so it's a little bit different we're trying to be unique here and what we're doing a little bit different now we used to have the big t7l here there's little little woven tags that say in the seven line so a nice little touch thanks to new era for uh working with us on that we have so many hats coming out and i'm excited for it but they're gonna they're not gonna be here very soon from now so just be patient um we got a couple questions here. Uh, I don't know who said it because it was a while ago now. I saw it though. But how do we like living in Suffolk County and then having to commute to the ballpark? I mean, a lot of people have way harder commutes than we do. Our buddy Evan Wynn lives in uh, Connecticut, and he's at a lot of games. Chaz. Uh, yeah, Chaz, whose name is not really Chaz. We call him Chaz. Our buddy upstate, he lives in, uh, I don't know where the hell, uh, hell he lives. Near, near like Albany or something. Yeah, Charlie. Do well. Uh, yeah. Chris Duell, Duel, whatever. He lives in Chicago, so we have it. We don't have it that bad. We live no, like it's easy. It's it's an easy forty five minutes an yeah. hour. Yeah. Yeah. traffic. You it's, know? it's it's a really easy drive, and uh, and it, I've been doing it my whole life. I live in the town. I live in the house I grew up in. So uh, so I mean, it's not a big deal to me. I, I love it. It's, it's therapeutic. Yeah, I mean, we have it. We we don't have it that bad. We get emails all the time from people that live, you know, don't even live in the United States, and they follow the Mets. Yeah. So Suffolk County, I feel like a lot of people think that this is like another world out here. Um, no, I we, don't, we don't even really live out east. We live sort of in the middle of the island. Yeah, 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 dude. I mean, yeah, like I'm in Medford. You're in like Smithtown area, and uh, the stadium's like seriously like 30, 40 miles from here. It's not really a big deal, but I love Long Island. Um. Justin is asking if we have a spring training hat coming out soon. That was already posted. There's a preview of that already. It's a it's a mesh hat. It's similar to our M logo hat. Uh, it's just the St. Lucie Mets logo on the front. I should have them any day now. So if you're heading down for opening day, um, we should be able to ship them out to you in time. Um, any tickets left for St. Lucie? No, we're all sold out. I'm sorry. If We do have a forum, which a lot of people don't know about. If you go to the sevenline.com and on the top button it says events, you click, you click that. There's a drop-down menu that says forum. Click that. Join it. It's free. 
and there's a tab that says I can't make a game. And I, I swear, a hundred out of a hundred times, if you go there before a game, you will find a ticket to every single game at face value. The, the fans that sit with us are very loyal, very dedicated, and they and they want to keep the tickets in the family, which is our group. So if you go there, you can score a ticket to opening day at face value. Oh, for sure. You know, and it happened all throughout last year. But we got so much crap because people were like, now that you sold the season ticket package and there's only 300-some-odd tickets left, that shrinks the pot, which is true, um, to buy on the single-game ticket option through the website. But you still have the option. If you use this form, you can go to every single game. Yeah. Every game. And not to keep plugging because we're talking about the hats, but there's another game that goes up tomorrow at noon. I believe it's the June 3rd game, and it's fireworks night and all that jazz. So um, if you want to go to that, it's noon, and they're sold on Mets.com slash the 7 Army now. The Mets were nice enough to take care of the ticket fulfillment. Uh, ticket sales, and then we fulfill the tickets and the, the pins and the towels and all that stuff, which I got right here, actually. This is what you get if you sit with us now. So you get a pin, a towel, the ticket, and if you want, you can buy the jersey separately, which is on our website now. Buy the jersey. $129.99. They're available in small through 4X while supplies last, and they're a one-time thing. We're never making them again. So if you're interested, go buy it now, and uh, we'll ship it to you before opening day. Inevitably, somebody's going to want a jersey and you're not going to be able to get it do yourself a favor and buy it now it's a, it's i know it's sizable of you know chunk of money it's not going to spend other people's money for them but they're awesome darren's got the replica sample right here it's very almost identical to the authentic version that this season subscribers are getting it's really really nice uh, I wasn't the, a pinstripe guy. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. I was saying that to a lot of people. I mean, we did put up a vote this year. We talked about that on episode one, if anyone saw that back at the end of December. the There was a jersey option for a camouflage, which was made of New York NYs and all different shades of orange, and then the pinstripe. And people were doing, like, not my jersey and this and that. It was, like, a whole big thing. Obviously, after the election, people were having fun with that on, on, on Twitter. But, um... Every time I see a mock-up of a design, whether it's a hat, a t-shirt, a jersey, whatever, a pin, a decal, when you see it in person, it, it's hands down always so much better than you expected. So I was very confident in, in the pinstripe. I, honestly, I didn't care what we wear. Right. As long as it's something that we wear and we're united and everyone's wearing it together, it could be whatever. So as long as it's orange, I was down for it. So someone here was asking about color coordination for the games. For the home games, we're always rocking orange. For the away ones, you still do get a t-shirt for the away ones, and it all depends on where we're going. So, um, we do, if we're going, where are we going? We're going to D.C. Last year we wore blue to D.C., and the seats were blue. And not that we're, we go there to stand out, but, like, it, it, you couldn't even notice that there was a group of fans there, uh, even though we were all wearing blue. So, even though they do wear a lot of red, I think we're going to go with orange this year, just because that's... that's became our color, so we're probably going to rock orange there, and it really just depends on where we're going. Obviously, when we went to San Francisco, we didn't wear orange, we wore blue. Um, and if you want to know where we've been already, go to t7la.com. There's a whole list of where we've been. And we, we the goal is to go to every single ballpark, especially in the National League, before we do repeats. And after this year, we only have three to go. So we do repeats if they're day trips. So we are doing D.C. again. We are doing Yankee Stadium every year because it's fun just to do that, the Subway Series. Um, I think we're going to wrap this up for tonight. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for following on the all the social media accounts, especially here on Facebook if you're watching live. If you liked what you saw, click share. Um, and you can also sign up for uh, notifications to know whenever we're doing whatever it is. So next week, 
we don't have a guest lined up. I think we should figure out the audio issue again and be 100% sure what's going to happen before we invite someone else on the show. But next week, we've got some good stuff coming up. Um, we'll, we'll do the poll as usual and get you guys in, in, engaged in the conversation. And if you're on Long Island, stay safe, stay warm. Make sure you exercise and stretch before you try to shovel out that foot of snow we got today. And uh, besides that, spring training. By the time we go back live next Thursday, spring training will be in full swing. The guys will be there, and uh, we're really going to get this thing cranked up for a uh, really fun 2017. So thank you for everything. If you're watching, thank you. If you're listening on iTunes, rate, subscribe, share this with your friends, and we'll see you next week on Thursday night. Orange and Blue Thing, Episode 7 in the books. Anything you want to say? Let's go Mets, baby. Let's go Mets. Thank you, guys. Oh, yeah, I'll do this, too. This is like, I get, what's this called again? Too sweet. This is called Too Sweet. You gotta do this. I don't watch wrestling, but I guess that means something. So, anyway, Too Sweet. I'm gonna go drink a beer because I'm a little stressed out. But thanks for watching, guys. Thanks, guys.